Steve Cleveland's weekly interview with DJ and PK is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water treatment. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs, or call 877-346-3333. Steve, good morning. Morning, guys. Steve, it's good to have you back. <laughs> it's good to be back. It's been a long off-season, but... With the pandemic and the bubble, I mean, we felt like, you know, basically you were secretary at the Belmont, and we just rode you. That was a mile and a half, so we felt like you needed a real offseason. Get healthy. Get healthy. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of talking, man. You might have, you know, strained your jaw or something. I don't know. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious here as we jump in, and we've got some BYU talk for you, and we're going to get to that in a second. But just to start with a little NBA, as we jump into the season here, we've got about a third of the season in the books. Are you surprised that the Warriors are this good and Clay Thompson isn't back? Uh, I am. I am. I, I think that uh, kind of the transformation of Wiggins and Poole um, have just kind of stepped up. I mean, it's hard for anybody to see this because Wiggins struggled mightily in Minnesota and never really reached his potential. But he has bought in and seems to be playing with great confidence and adding him to the mix of Clay. And uh, obviously, with Clay coming back, it's just going to make him that much better. So they, that is a big surprise to me that Golden State would be where they are. I mean, I figured. They were going to be better, but not that better. And everybody seems to have bought in defensively. Um, they're just playing on a string, man. They're so together, and uh, it's fun to watch them play. I mean, they are the funnest team to watch play just because of how quickly they move the ball and uh, take good shots. And, of course, when you have Steph Curry, uh, it's pretty entertaining, and he's having a great year as well. Yeah, he, I've, I put him as my uh, MVP at this point. I figure my uh, my top four MVPs right now. Uh, we're not even, you know, we're just a quarter of the way into it, so still a long way to go. Is uh, Curry, uh, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and then Donovan Mitchell. What do you think? You know, uh, I'm not going to argue. I mean, I hadn't thought a lot about the MVP. I think certainly you can make a case for Steph Curry. I think Kevin Durant's been pretty special as well. Um, and Donovan's having kind of an, an, another signature year. I mean, those are all guys that are going to be in the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have any problems or issues with that. Uh, we'll, we'll see kind of how it plays out. They, they have the, they've had the most impact of their teams. Besides putting up really glossy numbers, they've impacted their teams, and those four teams are the winningest four teams in the NBA right now. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, I think you have to put it out to Decumbo, too. Yeah, yeah, I was just, I was just going to say that he's, you know, I think everybody's kind of falling asleep on him a little bit and thinking, you know, uh, but they're, they're going to be there right at the end. If they stay healthy, uh, I mean, what Brooklyn's doing, I don't think Brooklyn beats them in a seven-game series uh, right now. I, I just don't see that happening. Now, if Kyrie descends, he wants to play again, that may change that. But I, I think I'd go with Milwaukee today. If it were, if both teams were healthy, I think I think Milwaukee has the better team. Plus, the fact they've already done it, and so there's not that question mark anymore. They know what they have to do to do it. 
So the Utah Jazz make a couple moves in the rotation, not in the starting lineup, but in the rotation with Rudy Gay, Hassan Whiteside. What do you what do you think they have brought? What can they still add? They haven't been here that long. They both missed games, uh, so it's not like they've even played all of them. Uh, Rudy's played about half of them. What do you think they have added well, and can add going forward? Well, I, I think for, first of all, with Whiteside, I, I think it just gives you another presence in the post. He's finding ways to score eight or ten points a game. He's shooting about, I think he's shooting over 60%. Uh, I, I think having another big like that with Rudy, a guy who could play, you know, not necessarily necessarily play together, but they could, but against certain teams. But Whiteside seems to be playing with great confidence and, and a huge get for them. I, I think that uh, just gives them that depth. It's a long season. Uh, you, you can give Rudy more rest as well. And uh, I, I really like that. I, I think that uh, when you look at the Jazz, uh, I, I don't know that I saw Rudy Gay being a guy that was going to step up. I'd kind of forgotten about Rudy Gay. But he's shooting 41% from the three. He's averaging 10 points a game. And, again, just having that depth and having the ability to have two veteran guys. I mean, we're not talking about young guys here. We're talking about guys who have been in the league quite a while, 10, 11 years. So, it's, uh, it's, it's two good gifts. And I, I don't know that anybody, may, maybe you all talked about it, but I didn't see them having the kind of impact. I mean, you're talking about 16, 17, 18 points a game more, uh, plus just experience. Two guys that have played the game in a lot of different places, and they fit right in with the Jazz. So it makes the Jazz better for sure, and it gives them depth, especially in a long season where injuries happen. And now all of a sudden, if one of the guards gets hurt or a wing, you know, Rudy, you know, he's always there. He's playing. He's playing minutes. And the same thing with Whiteside. So two good gets, uh, really under the radar gets that I didn't think would really impact the team. And uh, I was wrong there because they have impacted it immediately. There was a while, uh, there was a little bit a while back uh, that the team was uh, really struggling shooting. I'm wondering, as a coach, how do you coach shooting, and what do you do? You know, I think a couple of things. One, you watch film uh, together with players and, and see where the context of, of the shots are coming from. Are they contested? Are they not contested? Uh, are they in, uh, you know, are they part of the scheme? Are we taking up part of the scheme, or are we creating a lot of things at the end of the shot clock? So there's a lot of different criteria that you can look at. But it's, once you determine that, hey, technically your shot's fine, it's, it's, it, you know, there's nothing technically wrong with it physically, and that uh, for the most part you're taking good shots. You're playing winning basketball. You're, you're making, this is a team that makes the extra pass all the time. A lot, a lot of confidence is just a matter of getting guys. I know in practice, for, for instance, certainly there's the opportunity. You get guys lots of shots, and uh, you bring in guys to contest and cre- create a game atmosphere. But then I think when it's game time, you, you put them in, in places where they can succeed and, and run sets early, run quick hitters, do things early on where a guy can – because most – I don't care if it's junior high school basketball to the highest professional level. Once the ball goes in the basket a couple of times, the thing gets bigger and bigger. And for, for guys that are having in shooting slumps, it's just a matter of getting through that mentally. And that once the ball goes in, I, I always think – Try to get guys to the to the basket. Get fouled. Watch the ball go through the rim. After you do that, you know. And, I, and so with some of my better players in college, 
I'd try to post them up early or get them in a short corner situation where they could go attack. And from there, get to the free throw line, make a couple of free throws. You make a couple of free throws early in a game, and it just, the basket just gets bigger. And if, if and I, I kind of really discourage guys from always being the three-point shot being their first shot, uh, especially guys who are struggling maybe at the time. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking threes early when you're open and they're not contested. But for guys that are struggling with shooting, I'd like to see them get to the free throw line, get it to the rim, uh, get something where they can watch the ball go through the basket. And mentally and emotionally, it, it just kind of it clicks in and they get, they get their confidence that way. So uh, those are things I did. And, uh, but, but definitely even as a player, which was a long time ago, uh, I tried to get to the free throw line. I tried to get to the rim, watch the thing go through. And then it, I just always felt it was better that my first shot not be a three especially for guys struggling. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us. It was a football conversation, but it's uh, bigger than that. It's an athletic department to the Big 12 conversation. Kalani Sataki getting a contract extension as the headliner. But there's assistant coaches to be paid. There's recruiting budgets and facilities and strength and conditioning and training room and on down the line. Uh, how much energy does it take for someone like Tom Homo to move the whole bureaucracy forward and get everyone on board with, hey, we're really going to upgrade what we do. We're going to have to spend more money. we got to re uh, just kind of analyze everything we're doing because competing in the Big 12 is going to be very different for some sports. Some sports are already Sweet 16, Final Four, NCAA champs, and they're there. But other sports, men's basketball and football, this is going to be a big step up. You've been on the inside working at BYU. How big an accomplishment is this for Tom and the athletic administration? I, I think they have exactly the right person in Tom Hallmark to do that. You know, and, and I just look at his pedigree as a player, as a coach, his experiences he's had, and then the time he's had at BYU to really assess and watch. And obviously, he played a significant role in this happening. And, and certainly, the administration at BYU had to be supportive of it. Uh, I can't say enough about the job that Tom Homo's done and, and all, of, all of his guys, his, his whole athletic team. Uh, they, they've been hearing for this. They've put themselves in this position. It hasn't been – I mean, yes, they're, they're going to have to go out and raise more money. Yes, they are going to have to pay coaches more and improve facilities and do all of those things. But it, it just makes sense. It's where they're at. Um, you know, Kalani, I mean, I, I, I've watched him, and, and it, it, what's amazing is how young he is and how he has – it's never easy transitioning to a job, and, and especially a job that's as high profile as BYU or the University of Utah and State. And I, I, I've just watched him build a culture there and, and relationship with his players that is second to none. And, and you know, it, I'm not even talking about winning games or schemes or anything else, is that he has – got his guys to completely buy into what they're doing. He's got a great staff, and it's taken a while to develop that staff. You know, nothing happens immediately. But I really, it's been really fun to watch Kalani. Obviously, everybody loves his energy and everything, but they're, they're doing the right things with X's and O's, and they've established a culture there that's going to be, you know, continued because they, 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 the athletic department has completely made a commitment to this Big 12. And, uh, and it's not easy. This isn't something that is normal for BYU. I mean, but it's a new day. It's a new age. And you can't go into a conference like that and not have to spend money. But 
Um, they seem, everybody seems committed to it. Uh, it. It really, really feels good. And uh, from the coaches, from the very top of the coaching staff with Coach Zaki and, and his assistants and the administrative team, everybody's bought in. It, it just, right now, it just feels really good. There's so many good things happening at BYU throughout all the sports that uh, going into the Big 12 seems to be exactly where they need to be. And, you know, for basketball, it's a whole different deal. I'm not saying they don't have a wonderful football conference, but you're talking about the best basketball conference in the country. And, and I've, I've known several of the coaches there, and, and I've read what I've read about welcoming BYU in. And one of the consistent things that the coaches have all said is, hey, you, you, look, at the, you look at the league schedule and you go, when are we going to win a game again? And, and it's that kind of league. There are no nights off. You got to travel. You play in front of great crowds, uh, you know, outstanding coaches and great athletes. So it is a significant step up for men's basketball. And what better guy than Mark Pope and his staff, who've done an amazing job? But the, their work's cut. They know it. I mean, I'm not saying anything they don't know. But that's a whole different world in terms of basketball when you consider the Mountain West, the WAC, the Mountain West, the WCC, where where you can you don't have to play perfect to win. And, uh, and I, I think the other thing, too, is that the Big 12, when they come to BYU, are going to realize that, that, hey, this feels a lot like what it feels like when we go to Texas or when we go here or there, you know, where, wherever they're, they're going. If they're at Baylor and it's sold out, they're going to see sold-out crowds. So BYU has an advantage at home, but it is just going to be a monster of an ordeal to, to get on top of that. And, I, and I'm absolutely confident that Mark and his staff will do it but it is completely different than maybe any of the other sports. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you, man. It is just... This is going to be a bear of a basketball conference. I mean, it's going to be like uh, like your day playing uh, Utah, New Mexico, UNLV every single game now <laughs> going it, forward. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, the thing about it is depth is really important. You know, we've watched, the, you know, they, they've lost, you know, Baxter's out and Harward's out. They've lost two big. In, a legal, in, in, in the WCC, you can get away with that maybe and, and lose a couple of kids, but staying healthy is going to be really important because you, you can't go on the road in the Big 12 and be down two or three guys, and especially guys that are key players. And, and so keeping guys healthy and, and having that depth. And, and, and I, you know, I, I think in all the sports, they'll, they'll continue to recruit at a really high level. They'll recognize, all those coaches recognize what they're going to need to be successful in whatever sport they have. But specifically basketball, you miss a couple of guys, and man, it's 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 hard to win games. And I, I've been through that when you you have injuries, and so uh, you can get away with it maybe in the WCC a little bit, not so much in the Big Twelve. Tom Homo joining, or excuse me, Steve Cleveland joining <laughs> us to talk about Tom Homo and his press conference. <laughs> you guys. Uh, you stay out late last night? Yeah, right. I did. I'm on TV. Most of my blunders happen Monday morning because I'm on TV, and I can't go to sleep until like 2 a.m. I can't remember if you do the weekend sportscast yep. as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Sunday you night. Got, you got a lot of irons in the fire, brother. Yeah. Jerry West joining us now. Jerry. <laughs> Jerry, so when you hit that half-court shot against the Knicks, did you think? Oh, never mind. 
Go ahead. I'm curious that people see the salaries for the coaches. We know that's important because ADs lose coaches when they don't pay them. But when you're a coach and you're looking at your recruiting budget, uh, the training room, the training table, how the players eat all week long, and then you go to meet with Tom or whoever your AD is, how can you explain to people how big a deal all that stuff is and how, if not you, friends in the profession you know have had knockdown dragouts with administrators over that kind of stuff? I, I think the most important thing, because I know how, I mean, you can't have, uh, head coaches are great. And, and they're there because of their leadership and because of their experiences and their ability to motivate and lift teams and all that. But number one is making sure your assistants get paid. Nothing disrupts a program more than when outstanding assistant coaches leave for more money or to take a different job or maybe to become a head coach. And so what you, the first and foremost, and I, and I have heard Kalani talk about this, but I, I know this myself and I've watched, been around college athletics, You'll, you'll see staffs that stayed together for years. And, and there's so much to the continuity of knowing that the message at the top is getting it's, it's supported all the way down to the grad assistants and the walk-ons and everybody else. So paying your assistants and getting them to stay and stay you know, connected to the program, I think it's first and foremost. And I, I'm sure everybody, I'm sure Kalani's going to get a raise, and, and, I, and I'm sure he appreciates that, and that's all good and good. But... At the end of the day, I got to believe that the most important thing for him is to make sure his guys get taken care of so they can continue this and, and have this continuity and success ongoing. Losing assistant coaches and bringing them in, bringing them up to speed. And I'll say this the other thing, too, that people very seldom talk about. Assistant coaches have great relationships with the guys. They're, they're the ones that are in the trenches. They're the ones that spend a great deal of time with these young men and young women. And so having outstanding assistant coaches is critical. I mean, you can have a good year, but to have continuity and have a good year, a great year, year in and year out, it's your assistant coaches. You take care of them first, the head coach will get taken care of, but you take care of the assistant coaches and the support staff and those people, and there's where you get continuity and you get greatness over the time. Tom talked about how he and his associate, Brian Santiago, were doing deep dives on budgets in the Pac-12, budgets in the Big 12 as they make this transition. The Steve Cleveland influence lives on 25 years later. Who's the guy who brought Santiago to Provo? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me know it's interesting. Brian and I have, have been good friends a long time. And when Brian played at Fresno State, I was a, a, a community college coach at Fresno City College. And, uh, and so that's where I first had an opportunity to meet Brian. I'll tell you a funny story about Brian. Brian was a very, had a very successful business there, and uh, he was uh, selling all sorts of office supplies and doing different things. I don't remember exactly everything, but he was, you know, he was grinding it out. He was newly married and uh, had a new, new baby, and uh, we'd occasionally play together a little bit of City League basketball or get together. I wasn't best friends with him, but we – when we got together, we knew we had mutual respect for each other. And when I, when I got the job, uh, Brian came to my home and knocked on the door one night and uh, said, uh, you know, he said, listen, I, I, I'd, I'd love to go with you. And, and, and at first it kind of caught me off guard because we'd never had a conversation like that. 
And uh, I, I said, first of all, they're going. They're, this that community is going to struggle with the fact that, that a junior college coach that nobody knows is coming in to coach, and then he's bringing in, you know, Dave Rose and Nate Call, who you know, other guys that maybe in the state everybody knew Dave was because he was down at Dixie. But the idea that we're bringing in a bunch of junior college coaches, and then I'm going to bring in a guy that's never coached. I said, Brian, I don't know how that could happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I didn't want to disappoint him. I said, I just don't know. And, we ended up talking for quite a while, and we had future conversations. And I started thinking about it. I, I called Rondo Felberg, who was the athletic director at that time, and I said, hey, do you have any kind of ops guy here, position? And, and they didn't have one at, at that time. And so, long story short, I, I ended up convincing Rondo that Brian could really be good for the program. He's had family here. And uh, obviously his brothers have played at BYU. And I said, he'll be good for our guys around them. He's organized. He's a businessman. And we finally got permission to create an ops position. Now, even crazier than that is that Brian and I, so the office space was a little bit limited. You shared an office with you. (laughs) I shared, listen to this, I shared the office with him for four years. You know, it's, it's, no one will believe that, but it's true. I saw I mean, it. He sat there, and he's, he's, and he's still got a part-time job. He can't, he can't live on an option. So he's still got his business going on, and then he's, he's doing an amazing job with the basketball program, and he's just incredible. You know how Brian Texas is and how energetic he is. And so finally, uh, after four years, we won the conference and went to the tournament, and he had an opportunity to get into athletic administration. But it has never surprised me that Brian, with his energy and enthusiasm, uh, and he's so good for young people, man. I'm telling you, he, he and, and he's feisty and he goes crazy <laughs> when things aren't right. But I mean, this guy, he, you want him in battle. He, he, he's just that kind of good friend, and we'll forever be great friends. And but I'm telling you, no one would, re- you know, I, he had stacks of stuff in my office. <laughs> I mean, I, I should have taken a picture of it. Uh, I know nobody believes that I, that, that could possibly happen at a Division One level, but it did. No, I saw it, but man. It, it, yeah, you saw it. That's yeah. true. That's true. And it was the best thing for me because Brian was connected to, in, in Utah. I mean, he grew up there. He knew people. And that was really a valuable – he was such a valuable resource for me. And, uh, and and David lived in Dixie, but he didn't really have the relationships up there. So, uh, And Nick Call had some relationships because at the time he was at UBSC. But it was nice to have Brian there. Uh, and I, and there, there'll be other. I could tell you a few other. We won't do it today. We'll talk about a few of the opportunities. You know how excited Brian gets. Yeah, I love his hot road. Latin blood. Yeah, he, he's got it, and uh, that was not always not easy control on the bench. But I love Brian, and I, I see you know him, him and Tom, and, and I'm not. I don't want to not include everyone, but I've watched him and Tom work together, and when I go up there and. Uh, both both of those guys have been at it for a long time, and they're they've just done an amazing job. So, yeah, Brian is a very dear, dear close friend, and I have so much respect for Tom and what he's done. None of this happens without that energy of those two. Sitting near him, and I haven't done it in a while, but sitting near him during the basketball game is both thrilling, it's exciting, it's also a little frightening. Yeah, you know, no, there was a number of times where I would turn to Dave and say, you know. Get his butt at the end of the bench. I don't want to hear a word from him. <laughs> Steve, he's yelling at. He's yelling at. I, I know he's not doing that stuff now. Well, he, he probably is more silently. But when you when you're on the bench, 
uh, yeah, he had to be dismissed at the end of the bench a couple times. <laughs> but uh, it was uh, kids. Kids, I mean, young people loved him. You know, he just he just oozed with enthusiasm, and uh, he and it, it's, it's so real. You know, not everybody can do that, but it's nice to surround yourself with people who are so positive and so energetic. And uh, and, and I, that, you know, that, that's one of the things I really like about. Uh, Kalani and Mark, uh, they, they've got so much enthusiasm and it's great for the community. It's great. You know, and, and not that, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at college basketball and, and, you know, Mark Pope, Craig Smith, uh, you know, to Randy Ray, I mean, good friend and think of all the amazing things he's done. Mark Madsen, uh, Todd Simon, even SUU. I mean, there's wonderful coaches in the state. And basketball's in good hands. And, you know, Utah's going to have to – it'll take a little bit of time, but Craig Smith is a really, really good coach. And, uh, and all, all those guys are. And, you know, obviously you, you had a big win. That's a big win for Mark. But, you know, he won a WAC title. I, I love where basketball is at in the state. I mean, you have outstanding coaches. And, uh, you know, Utah really is – I mean, it, it's, it's because it, – most states, you know, you talk about football first, but for, for Utah – Basketball's right there. There's just been so many wonderful coaches and players come out of that state, and basketball's in a really good place right now. I mean, Utah may not feel like they're where they need to be, but Craig Smith's going to get it done there. There's no question about that. Steve, we got to run. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. See you guys. Have a good one. Blake Anderson, Aggie football coach, coming up next.